everybody. Welcome to Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. It's time. Run. Don't walk to your computer at Amazon and get original, unconventional, and inconvenient. Donald J. Trump and his mega movement by Governor Bob Ehrlich sitting right here. And we recently received a note in the mail. That's right. We did. Who was that note from? The president himself. And what did he say? My buddy. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, your former he employer. He said... Uh, straightforward and accurate we had it right and they know it yeah so, so that's a nice little note to get in the mail unexpected yeah unexpected awesome. and really appreciated because the book does not say the president nor his administration was perfect by any means but it does pretty close analyze <laughs> <laughs> well senior staffer Ehrlich says <laughs> but it does analyze the central role an historic disruptor had with respect to all sorts of Washington establishments and the fact that those establishments needed disruption and the fact that oftentimes the president was correct. Listen, the bottom line is we got something the bottom line is we got something to compare now. And boy, do we want them back. Speaking of comparisons, I went to bed last night. Yes. With you. <laughs> And I awakened Thank and you. I looked out at my yard and I saw an improved yard and I know I didn't do it. You didn't, but because you I know never who do it. it. <laughs> who did it? Adirondack trees did that this morning, bright and early. Looks great. Yes. Yard looks They're great. They're fabulous. We Look love John up. Anna, the owner. That's we love right. Them. Please please call them for your tree needs. Absolutely. They do a great job. Speaking of needs, eating is a need. That's and correct. Italian food is a particular need. What's our favorite place? Masoni's. You're Gotta really go hot to this week. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go to Masoni's. Read a book. Get your trees fixed. And get a meal at Masoni's. Exactly. Okay, you're all covered now. So guess what? We have potpourri this week. Your favorite. I love potpourri. You do love potpourri. I don't know how we got into the potpourri, but here we are. <laughs> potpourri. And the first potpourri item is, of course, the overturning a Roe v. Wade. A couple observations. We're not going to get into this in great detail because the analysis is overwhelming. A uh, couple aspects, though, that we'd like to point out. One, babe, what happened to the leak investigation? Right. Isn't that terrible? Nobody's held accountable anymore. Yeah, whatever happened in this Washington or anywhere right now. Because this leak went to the heart of the court. It went to the heart of one of the most important institutions in the United States of America. I hope and pray that the wrongdoer or wrongdoers, plural, uh, get brought to justice. I'll tell you when that might happen after November. So the decision returns the issue of abortion to the states where now the debate will play out. And I talk about debate again, plural debates, uh, the timeline with respect to abortion late-term abortions, parental notification, judicial bypass, Medicaid assistance, informed consent, all these issues will now, to the extent they have not been in the past, and many have, of course, will be debated and played out anew at the state level. Well, even with Roe in place, many states had made their own restrictions. That's correct. And so... To some degree, there's not a dramatic change in the law if people really recognize that. You have to understand that the states have been very involved in this issue. And it'll be interesting to see just how many states 
change from where they are. For example, Maryland is much more progressive and, and goes even a little beyond uh, Roe. Yep. And as a result, Maryland won't change. Well, Maryland will change. It'll become even more pro-choice. They'll pass more pro-choice statutes, I suspect. But it'll be interesting to see which states change and which ones actually really remain the same from where we are right now. So you, You're able to predict the pro-life states and more conservative states. You're able to predict the more pro-choice states, mostly the blue states. What's going to be interesting, in your point, is the purple states. Right. And what will play out in those. But again, these issues, timeline with respect to abortions, uh, late-term abortion, parental notification, Medicaid assistance, informed consent, all these issues that get played out and have been debated time and time again will be played out anew. Interesting observation here concerning the reaction, not exactly surprising reaction from the left. The emotionalism that we see on our TV screens is uh, was to be expected. But not just with respect to abortion, but with respect to any other emotional issue you can cite. What's emerging in the context of the modern left is an unwillingness to abide by institutions, to abide by respect for institutions, to abide by the rule of law. By that I mean impeachment, not just the endgame impeachment of the president, but the early movement, literally weeks into the Trump administration, moved toward impeachment. Uh, changing the electoral college because the left didn't get the results it won in the Hillary Clinton-Donald Hillary Clinton, Trump race. The filibuster, getting rid of the filibuster. Uh, packing the court, of course. Uh, intimidation of decision makers, and we saw this play out, and we're still playing, seeing it play out daily with regard to where Supreme Court justices live. That is against the law. That is literally against federal law to have those demonstrations in front of those homes. Uh, civil disobedience, threats, and the like. It's a disturbing pattern from this new left. It's interesting whether that is an extension of the 60s where that type of um, protest against authority began. Interesting to see sort of the age group. But right now we have a younger woke group just following yeah. that blindly, which is really interesting. It's almost like they don't even know. I, I have not paid attention on television this week. I'm trying to enjoy my summer, so I try not to turn it on too much. But, uh, you know, again, the protests coming out for this. Title IX turns 50 yeah. this year. And yet where are the protests from the women regarding Title IX and to that extent? There should be a protest every weekend in Baltimore and Chicago. This past weekend, now another 19 right, shots. You're getting ahead of me now. Hold oh, on. You're getting ahead of me. I know but, you cannot it, help it yourself. It's going in that those same protests, theme though, yeah. it's of good point. authority. Take, you know, not authority and then sort of selective. Selective situational protests. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, point well taken. Speaking of which, what you're likely going to see is, given the rather dismal record of the Biden administration, the state of the economy, the clearly uneven state of the economy, hyperinflation, the border, Afghanistan, you're going to see a Democratic campaign along the lines of January 6th, gun control and abortion. And most likely nothing else. That's all Democrats are going to be able to run on this cycle. Those three issues meant to hyper-energize the Democratic base. I got to tell you, when people can't 
put food in their kitchens and gas in their car. That is going to override everything. And their 401ks have completely tanked. Uh, they're not going to be able to retire when they thought they could. The economy, the economy, the economy, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that's what the Republicans will run on. Absolutely. Every ad will be the economy, uh, what the president did with respect to the energy sector, the cost of gasoline, the cost of home heating oil, et cetera. Supply chain. Supply chain, another issue. So we will continue to see this play out. As we've said, the debates now move to particularly the purple states, and we'll see what happens going forward. Interesting story, babe. Potpourri number two, parental rights. This is an issue that we've discussed a great deal over the past year, since before Yunkin in Virginia, before that race, before Terry McCall's now infamous quote, before the parental rights movement really caught steam around the country. A positive from COVID. It, 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 it yes. woke parents up. It woke parents up. It, it awakened them to the indoctrination agenda in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It awakened them to the clearly inappropriate sexual content in some courses brought to some elementary schools. And what you saw in Virginia was a reaction. What you saw in Virginia, again, was not just Republicans, but blue anti-Trump parents casting votes to the effect that, hey, reading, writing, arithmetic, history, critical thinking, all good. Uh, Sexualizing, covering up uh, criminal actions by school boards, Uh -uh, not going that far. And as a result, we've seen this parental rights movement gather steam around the country. We've seen already in various states school boards being taken over by conservative candidates. So Democrats had to do They're something. They're hot races this time around. Really hot races are school board. <laughs> Democrats had to do something, and now they have. You didn't see it, though, did you? It wasn't a headline. <laughs> I didn't. So Trying not to look. <laughs> the National Parent Families Engagement Council. How about that? Oh, my gosh. The National Parent. <laughs> allegedly to strengthen the relationship, the partnership, if you will, between parents and school boards and teachers and the teachers union. Please, folks, this came out last week. That's why it's a potpourri item. This is the Democratic response. The real purpose is no more Terry McAuliffe's. The real purpose is... Well- we're getting hammered on this issue, and we're still going to be in bed with the teachers' union, but we want to pretend not to be. Well, the problem with Terry McAuliffe, ironically, is he spoke the truth. Yeah, he, he spoke, spoke what they what exactly they think. Exactly what they think. <laughs> and when he put that out there, people were like, what? Yeah. Government knows better for my child than myself? But out, parent. Well, government can't do anything <laughs> well. Not, can't even... Pick up the trash well these days. But out, Mother B. Out of here. Right. Well, don't well, get between Mama and her cubs. And guess what happened? Right. Youngkin got elected. <laughs> exactly. For that, for that precise reason. So this is an attempt to co-opt the parents' rights movement. My prediction? What do you think? I don't think it's going to get very ain't far. Ain't going to work. <laughs> it ain't going to work. I, Shocking. I suspect because of this new council... We're supposed to forget uh, the fact that the national school boards were in cahoots with the Justice Department and were in cahoots with the Attorney General and the FBI, uh, purpose of which was to investigate parents showing up to protest what was happening in public schools to their public school children, literally to bring the federal government's police power to bear against parents, 
against parents. How did we get there? Well, in Virginia, they said, we ain't getting there. Right. And around the country since then, parents are saying, we're not getting there. So we should not forget come midterms about that infamous letter, which was subsequently retracted because of the political repercussions. Uh, Again, this cover play will not work. Too much momentum to this parent power movement. Uh, The evidence of inappropriate instruction is very clear. It's out there. Parents can see it. Parents are reacting to it. Candidates are reacting to it as well, and those candidates are winning. This ploy is not going to be effective, according to the Ehrlichs, our easy prediction. Third issue, you want to, well, let's just get to your point, babe, uh, about the murders and about criminal justice and what's happening and your situational indignation from the left. You just told me how many murders or how many shootings? 19 shootings this past weekend in Baltimore two homicides at this juncture, possibly more to come if Dr. Scalia can't save all the other shootings that are coming into shock trauma. But uh, anyway, um, it's just shocking where we are. It's just shocking. It's shocking that no one's doing anything. I I listen to our local radio station here, and it's just the same thing every Monday morning. And um, you know, something's got to be done. The police commissioner should be fired. I mean, something has to start. That you mean a protest? Yeah, something. An organic protest. An organic from the protest. people, the good people, of Baltimore City, who are scared to death. I mean, I just don't see it changing. Decade um, after decade. You know, as as we know, uh, on our podcast with Ed Norris, an expert. Last uh, week's podcast. In in uh, all of this, but particularly Baltimore. Um, you know, there are ways to handle this and to turn this around, but people have to respect authority. People have to actually do their jobs as the prosecutors actually prosecuting crimes. Uh, so Better policing strategy, better political leadership, a better prosecutor. How's that for a start? And the, these prosecutor jobs, you have to pay attention to them when you are voting this year. It is really important, and I hope a lot of people step up to the plate to challenge what's going on currently and to challenge those current prosecutors. Send a uh, message to George Soros. Butt out. Right. Butt out. Stay in your country, pal. Say a message to the teachers' union. Butt out. This relationship, send a message to George Soros. Butt out of, of our criminal justice system. Of our system. criminal justice system. That really you're does work. Great harm. <sighs> you Okay. Not really, but keep going. Next potpourri <laughs> item. Headline, Biden packs immigration courts. You didn't hear about this either, did you? Six Trump judges ousted already. Uh, we're talking about uh, immigration review panels here. The Democrats now, the Biden administration, attempt to weaponize the courts along ideological lines is taking place before our very eyes. The director of the Executive Office of Immigration Review was involuntarily removed, first time in history. And babe, so we read these stories and we see the videos daily of the border and we see basically silence and denial from the administration. And it goes back to the point we made last week, which is fascinating to me. This is a front burner issue for the American people. The American people are frustrated. This is clearly inappropriate, illegal, it's a bad scene, and yet we see literally nothing from the administration. Because it's purposeful. Yeah, but but you would think you might see some cover. Uh, you know what? 
with the school board issue. At least they're trying some cover. At least they're trying to do something political for cover. We see literally no cover here. We see silence from the oh, borders are the vice president of the United States. But, but May work, the, yes. The, it, the pictures make, make you sick, but you're only seeing those on Fox. You're yeah, not going to see them point. anywhere else, anywhere. Good point. Does anybody really know that's still going on? Does anybody see th- those scenes of tens of thousands, tens of, thousands of people coming over? No, they're not seeing that anymore. And, you know, the attention span of the American public is two seconds. Going back to your point, situational indignation, human misery, fentanyl, the sex trafficking, literal terrorists. Democratic Party these days is pro-open borders. And a repercussion, a consequence is too many inappropriate people coming to the border. And when the message went out, day one of the Biden administration, come on, come on in. That message was received. It was heard. We're talking around the Attorney General a little bit. Potpourri item next. Uh, Garland's going to be in, the Attorney General's going to be in for a very difficult time come Republicans taking power in January, which is most likely the case, especially if Republicans control both both uh, the House and the Senate. Uh, he is going to be witness one, trust me. Questions are going to be along the lines of why did you allow these demonstrations in front of the homes of Supreme Court justices? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is the FBI going to parents' homes yeah. to spy on them and to question them? And my observation for you, and I know he's a favorite punching bag of Trump Republicans. He's a favorite punching bag of the Trump Republican, the president, Mitch McConnell. Do not forget, folks, but for Mitch McConnell, that guy's on the Supreme Court. Right. So credit credits due. Mitch McConnell takes a lot of hits from the Trump, the dominant Trump wing of the Republican Party. And sometimes those hits are, are appropriate. But in this case... Credit where credit's due. And, and plenty Ma- of credit is due here. Mitch McConnell did a great job with judges under Trump. Working with the president. And mm-hmm. I wish the president would remind everyone of that fact because it is true. A couple more potpourri items as well. All right, mom. You're a mom. Two great <laughs> so kids. Am. I'm the dad. Uh, baby formula still missing. And here's what's interesting about this, babe. We have uh, different reasons given COVID, although COVID, COVID now as a, as a reason is pretty weak. Uh, the major recall uh, that took place a number of months ago, the shutdown of a major manufacturing plant. But the fact of it is we've had this brutal issue. Can you just imagine if this would have occurred under Trump? Oh my what the gosh. press would have been. Babies dying. He's, we told you he's a hater. He's starving babies, right? Yeah. And it's been generally quiet on the media front. Uh, the media has given the president a pass on this issue. Clearly lack of preparation, lack of response. Well, to think that we're going to foreign countries to get baby formula is absolutely outrageous. On top of all the other supply chain issues, uh, businesses can't get what they need still. And, and it's just, that's not America. That's not what we are used to. Which you're getting to my last point here. We cannot, we should not get used to empty shells. That's they want not us America. To. They want us that's to. Some people do. It's obvious. But we me. certainly shouldn't get used to empty shells with respect to baby formula. Right? No, of course not. 
a new era of scarcity is not going to be bought by the American public. And to the extent progressives want to play that game, I suspect come November and in two years in November, uh, they're going to find out otherwise. But the, the country remembers that the that the country ran like clockwork under a certain President Trump. And now everything is affected. And you were a senior staffer for that president. Well, yeah. Item last, and this is interesting because you and I could talk about this issue for a long time. We follow golf. We follow the golf tour. We're a jock family. We played golf yesterday. That's right. For all the major sports we're into, our kids are, are uh, college athletes. Everyone knows that. But athletics and the media. So you had Phil Nicholson, you've had uh, DJ, you've had major players come in for a major amount of grief from not just the golf media or the sports media, but the political media as well. The reason this new Saudi-sponsored tour and these tour events and the PGA's reaction has not been positive and, the, and these players have been ousted. So a lot of bad press for Phil Nicholson and other major players who have now joined this tour. But we just had the NBA playoffs, and the Warriors won again, Steve Kerr, and, of course, LeBron is the face of the league. And we have uh, literally concentration camps in China. And we have silence from the NBA. Silence. We have the Uyghurs in China and their plight and re-education camps. And it's really a recreation of the gulag. I'm a Solzhenitsyn scholar. That was my thesis in, in college. That gulag in the Soviet Union was infamous. This gulag is less infamous because of the international press and especially the American press and especially a league that now is so beholden to, to China. China. And, and the NBA is making out like bandits, literally, in China. So it's a huge market. The distinction between the press coming down on these professional golfers with respect to a Saudi-sponsored tour vis-a-vis -vis what's happening in China, especially with regard to the Uyghurs on a daily basis, is striking. And the great lefties of the NBA and the Steve Kerr's of the world and the LeBron's of the world, absolutely silent about it. Well, ESPN has been woke for a long time, yep. as you've said. And uh, it's, it's really a shame, though, because the country turns to sports to get away from all of that. It has for a long time. So it's a shame that they really have gone to that and, and that uh, they're so influenced and try to be influential in politics. They, they really should stick to sports. People react, as we've seen with the kneeling and all kinds yeah. of issues that have crept into sports. People just want to watch good competition, and this country, thankfully, is still full of it. Well, so. here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. This is another show. The NBA's clearly paid a price with regard to ratings for the wokeness. Uh, MLB paid a price moving the All-Star game last year from Atlanta to Colorado. But maybe the most woke league of all, the NFL, has not paid a price because the product is so dominant. Right. And people are frustrated. They've turned their TV. We watch last NFL, and we are a huge football family, a major football family. But the fact of it is people will return, even with a watered-down product, even with everybody making the playoffs, even with pass interference penalties nobody understands, even with all that stuff, and a woke league and a woke commissioner big time. 
uh, the product is still dominant. So I'm not sure what message to take from that. Well, it is the most visual competition we have on yeah. television, I think. Other than other than maybe ice hockey, at, at, at least uh, there's a during par- the playoffs. There's a parenthetical issue here, which we need to get a conservative commentator on, because uh, for the most part, we've noticed over the years, it's, it's a fact, liberal sports writers, I mean, sports writers are liberal. Sports writers are to the left. There's a lot of progressive people who cover sports. Why? I, I don't really understand that. So we're going to have to investigate. Rhetorical question there. We'll investigate and we'll investigate next week. We have a surprise show coming up that we're going to tease a little bit. Do you want to tease it all? Okay. No. You, no? No. Okay. Surprise. Okay. <laughs> it's my wife's idea, so I went with it, but it's a good idea as well, as usual. Uh, well, we th- we're going to talk about health because okay. that's important. But so it's going to be interesting. The There's extent. a bottom line to health, right? That's right. That's right. So we are into health, and Kendall had a great idea, and we're going to do that most likely next week. So we thank you very much for putting up with our and listening to and engaging with us concerning our potpourri shows. We do try to bring some guests on every other show about, but we also think that the day's headlines are critically important to discuss, and that's why we do these shows. Thanks, everybody. Godspeed. Godspeed.